series called First, Putting Your Treasure Where Your Heart Is. And I was reminded of, of where our heart ultimately uh, is created to be today as I heard the pop-up choir sing. You blessed me so much seeing your faces, your courage. You know, when Paul said, who loves to sing? I went, because, <laughs> and I realized I, I should be up here. Like, I do love to sing. I'm just not confident right? Do, doing it. And we were created to, to worship. In fact, when, when I get to heaven, if I could ask Jesus three questions, the first question would be, why do bad things happen to good people? The second question, some of you know the old hymn, when I survey the wondrous cross, I'd say, could you teach me to just sing that on key? Because I'd just love to worship you on key and, and just teach me to belt that out and those of you who are in the pop-up choir, you, you reminded me that even if we can't be on key, when we as Christians sing, when we lift our voices, there is a fun, and you were on key, I was not. <laughs> I, I, I'm talking to myself. That's why I turn off my microphone because I don't want them recording me and blackmailing me with the recording someday. But it reminds me that when we as Christians lift our voices to sing and worship, it is fundamentally different than anything else we do. It's different than when we sing Rocky Top at the, the football stadium. It's, it's just different. And that it takes all of us to really worship God as God desires us to worship. And you gave me freedom to do that today through your participation. So, so thank you for that. Now, if I could ask Jesus three questions, the third one would be, could you teach me to sing Fool's Rush In like Elvis? Um, that's just me. Uh, but it, it helped me today focus on, on what needed to come first when, when it came to worship. And it's so important in life that we focus on, on what, what needs to come first. That's why we've, we've been going through this series. It was also such a blessing to see you come forward and take the children's prayer requests. Uh, that we as a church, we, pr we don't just talk about prayer, we pray and we teach our children to pray and we pray for our children. I can't imagine that God is not smiling when God sees a church that is intentionally praying for its children and not just doing that, but praying over their requests. We, we took those requests this week and we went over them as a staff. We, we made sure they were vetted, that nothing inappropriate was shared, that no child put down their full name, address, and parents' bank account number. <laughs> And we, we wanted to, to make sure that, that we took, took care of that. And we read some of the requests and there was one that just touched my heart. It, it was a, a child wrote this. What, what do you want us to pray for? Me. I've gotten in trouble this week and I want to be better. And I thought, oh buddy, me too. <laughs> like... Me too. In fact, when I was praying this morning, I, I come to the office early on Sundays and the first thing I do is spend time in prayer. Sometimes the more we are in church, we can get too fancy with our words. And I just came before God and I said, God, I've, I've gotten in trouble. I got in trouble last night during the fourth quarter. <laughs> I want to be better, God. I want to be better. Uh, in, in all my life, there are areas where I can get in trouble and God, God I, want to, I want to be better. Well, we're coming and focusing on this sermon series because we all want to be better. We want to put what's supposed to be first in life first. We, we want to put God first, but because we all have this tendency to get into trouble, 
we have to be intentional about it because there are things that will steal our focus away from what should be first. There are certain things in life that when you engage in them, just by their very nature, they seek to take over and they seek to master you. And if you do not learn to master them, they, they will take over. There are substances that if you put in your body, they will take over. And you have to be sure that certain substances you stay away from entirely and other substances you use in moderation and then other substances you only put in your body the correct amount, the correct number of times a day. For instance, I appreciate it when you have your coffee before church. You give me better eye contact during the sermon. You seem like a more positive person. But we have to do things in moderation. And some things we have to not do at all. And some things, they can take over our lives. They can addict us and try to master us. In fact, this is the case with, with things that we keep in our pocket. I've had to program this phone that it now turns itself off at 9 p.m. because it doesn't deserve to interrupt the hour I have with my family in, in the evenings. And I can still get an emergency call or text, but it, it can't notify me about anything else after that because it doesn't deserve to. And it can't distract me with, with anything else because I've learned, did you know there's this thing on YouTube called shorts? Did, did, did you know that? Uh, did you know there's this thing on Instagram called reels? And did you know they have these things called algorithms? And they will find the exact thing to distract you from uh, the good things in life just so you can be distracted for hours on end. And that's okay for a little while. But these algorithms, like they know how to get me. Uh, they, they somehow know that I can be distracted from what's important for two and a half hours uh, with short videos about 1980s WWE wrestling. There's a soft place in Pastor Will's heart for the macho man, Randy Savage. <laughs> there just is. There's just, I enjoy snapping into a Slim Jim with the best of them. I do. And it knows, it knows what'll get you. They know, they know they've made billions of dollars, billions by, by knowing there are some things in life that will master you if you don't master them. And according to Jesus, in his day and age, and I imagine there's a good chance still for our day and age, money is one of those things. That money was created to be a tool. It was created to serve us and to serve God. But if you're not careful with how you use it, what was supposed to be your servant can become your master. So Jesus teaches us about what, what we are to do here. And I want you to know sometimes money gets a bad rap in church. Money isn't bad. Nowhere in the Bible does Jesus say money's bad. If it gets into the wrong place in our lives, it can have bad consequences. But it's okay to enjoy money. It's okay to be passionate about money. It's okay to be intrigued by, by money. We have people here their whole career. They've, that, that's, that's what they've done. That They've worked in uh, the financial sector. That's, that's wonderful. Uh, what it's not okay to do is let money have first place. It's not okay to let money become your master rather than your servant, and it can happen. And even those of us who've mastered money in a certain point in life, we can get to a different point where our situation is different, and that can crop up. 
And so uh, we need to constantly, and not just with money, but with all areas of our lives, of be reminded who our master is. Be reminded why we do what we do and who we do it for. One of the best ways we can do that is reading our Bibles and praying every day. If you're not already doing that, please go to concordunited.org slash Bible. Get our Bible reading plan. It's going to give you scriptures that go along throughout this week with this message. It's going to give you a daily devotion. One of the best ways you can do that. Now, if you were here last week, you heard us talk from Matthew 6. We're in Matthew 6 this whole month. It's the very middle of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, the most important uh, set of teachings of, of Jesus given to this, this large crowd. This is the middle of it. And Jesus, in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, he talks about prayer and he talks about money. In fact, in Jesus' whole teachings, uh, the things he talks about most, money, the kingdom of heaven, and prayer. Those are his, his three big topics. Now, money seems a little out of place in there. The kingdom of heaven and prayer seem a little more spiritual. Money seems a little more secular. We might say, Jesus, why did you spend so much time on that? I think it's because he sees it as his competition. He sees it as seeking to master people and taking them away from a life where they recognize God as their master. And so he feels it important to talk about. And it's important for us to talk about. I want to share with you uh, just a brief passage. This, this is what he says. He says in Matthew 6, 24, no one can serve two masters for a slave will either hate one and love the other or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. It doesn't say you can't use wealth to serve God. It doesn't say you can't use wealth to take care of your family and to enjoy many of the good things in life. But it says you can't serve both, right? You, you can't serve both. One has to be the master. And one of the ways we get into trouble, one of the ways money sneaks in unaware and tries to become our master is through something called financial fatigue, where we get worn out by our financial responsibilities and we go on autopilot with how we handle our finances because it's just too hard to keep being intentional about it. And when we get into that situation, we let financial fatigue take over. What happens is financial fatigue causes us to make commitments financially that are often out of our league. And eventually we get to a place where money is our master. I heard about a family recently. They're both high-earning professionals. They make 750K a year combined. They can't retire. They have too many commitments. They made commitments. No matter how much you make, you make commitments that are out of your league, right? And you can get into a place where money seems to have a grip on you and to master you. And we have to be careful about this financial fatigue that causes this. Now, this is different uh, in how it encounters us based on your situation in life. Uh, if you're upper class, if you're middle class, if you're lower class, anywhere in between, you encounter it differently, but you still encounter it. I'm not going to tell you where you are on, in that. You know, you know where you are. You'll, you'll figure out where you are. But I want you to know how it affects you. If you're, if you're upper class... Financial fatigue comes from basically responsibility fatigue because you have so many responsibilities and sometimes you can feel so much pressure with what you have to do the right thing that you just get tired of it. And you think, well, I'm just gonna do what I wanna do. I worked hard, I earned this. And yes, you did. And yes, you were probably also in the right place at the right time. And now that I have it, I'm just gonna do what I want 
but there's this thing. When we have more than enough, uh, there's a request God places on us. And that's that we help those who don't have enough. In fact, this isn't just a request. This is a command. In the Old Testament, the prophet, uh, um, oh, what, what, what was his name? I can't believe, I, I, uh, Amos, thank you. The, the prophet, Amos. sorry, Amos. I apologize, big guy. Uh, I think highly of you. Well, Amos was come, came along at a time when the rich were getting richer, the poor were getting poorer, and the, the wealth that was being generated, none of it was going back to help those who were starving, who couldn't feed their families. Amos was angry, and he looked at the wealthy people, and he said, and, and he talked about, you're spending all your money on fashion over here, and these people over here don't have enough to eat. And he said, you cows of Bashan. I don't know where Bashan is, and I don't know, and I'm not going to attempt on this stage to translate the word he used as cows into contemporary English, but I don't think it would translate well. I think it would be harsh because he's saying, you have more than enough. You have a responsibility. Do you remember what, what Jesus said about uh, those of us who are in the upper class? He says, with great power comes great responsibility. Now, what gospel was that in? Oh, I heard a laugh. You caught it. It's not the gospel. It's Spider-Man. <laughs> Uncle Ben says that to Peter Parker. But, but Uncle Ben was paraphrasing Jesus, okay? He, was, he wasn't quoting, but he was paraphrasing Jesus in the parable of the talents where Jesus says, uh, to those whom, whom much is given, much is required. And those who have been faithful with, much, with a little will be faithful with more. He talks about when you have much, much is expected of, of you. This is what, what God has for us. Now, we can't succumb in that setting to responsibility fatigue. If you're in the middle class, you probably struggle not so much with responsibility fatigue, you struggle with hustle fatigue because you're hustling and you're hustling to provide. And if you've ever been in that situation with whether you spend $175 at the grocery store a week or whether you spend $225 at the grocery store a week, when that determines whether you're gonna end the month in the black or the red, you can do it, but it's a hustle and it wears you out. It beats you down and eventually you just get tired of it. And sometimes you get so tired of it that you say, I have this credit card. I'm just going to do what I want with it. And then we get into situations sometimes that aren't sustainable for us because we, we got worn down by the hustle. If you're in the lower class and some of you have been there and some of you are there today, then you struggle with a different type of fatigue. You struggle with a type of fatigue that we might call hopelessness fatigue because it feels like you're being asked to play a game you can't win. It feels like you've been sent into battle without armor and without weaponry. And you think, I can't win this, so why should I make any long-term decisions? I might not even live that long. I don't think it'll pay off. I'm just gonna use whatever I have today to enjoy today as best I have because long-term, this world seems to be set up against me. It's that hopelessness of there can't be a better long-term outcome than what I've seen. And whatever of those classes you find yourselves in, it doesn't make you better 
or worse than anybody in any other class. There are a whole host of circumstances outside of our love for Jesus that have gotten us where we are today when it comes to classes in in our society. But for all of us, wherever we are, we have a call of God upon our lives. And we're not gonna be judged at the end of our lives by the zeros in our bank account, but we are gonna be judged by how we respond to God's call So here's what I want you to know. Until you accept God's mission, you'll never master money. Until you accept God's mission, you'll never master money. It will find a sneaky way to become your master because you were created to use what you had for God's mission. And that mission involves taking care of your family. And that mission involves doing things uh, that you enjoy in this life and just appreciating the blessing God gives you. And that mission involves supporting the church and taking care of those who who don't have enough. It it involves all, all of that. If you're in the upper class, God's mission for you when it comes to money is to leave a legacy. How will you leave a legacy that will bless others? How will you leave a legacy that will help those who don't have enough, not only to have enough for today, but to learn how they can provide for tomorrow? How will you leave a legacy that will inspire others to great achievements? This can happen in a lot of different ways. Yes, it happens in supporting the church. Yes, it happens in supporting our food pantry. Yes, it happens in supporting our thrift store. Yes, it happens in supporting the Boys and Girls Club and other organizations doing great work, the Wesley House and all those seeking to to lift folks up out out of poverty. Yes, it happens supporting Emerald Youth Foundation. It involves all that. It also involves doing things uh, that create great beauty and great inspiration. Uh, Some of you have been to the Church of the Resurrection in Leewood, Kansas. It's the largest United Methodist church in our country. They recently built a new sanctuary there and they they do all kinds of mission ministries for for the whole community. I I think they've built playgrounds at every inner city school in in Kansas City uh, and are involved around the world digging wells, doing all sorts of great work. But when they decided to build their campus, they decided uh, they would raise the money to put a $9 million stained glass window in the front of their sanctuary. Now we're trying to build a $9 million building for kids and for preschool so that we can also expand our cage ministry for those adults living with dementia. They, they spent that on, on a window. And I remember when I first heard that, I thought, should we really be spending $9 million on a window? And that window is larger than the back wall of, of this worship space. And I have to tell you, if you're ever in Kansas City, if you're there for a conference or a convention, if you're there to see the Chiefs play, um, if you're halfway through driving across the country with your family uh, and you need to go pray that you'll make it and you'll still be a family at the end of that trip, (laughs) stop and go look at that window. Because when I looked at that window, I went, I'm so glad there are people who know better than me who know that this was worth every dime that was given to it. Uh, 
because this will inspire more generosity. This will inspire more ministry to take place than what could have been done through just the funds that made it possible because it tells the whole story of the Bible. It begins with Adam and Eve and Abraham and Sarah are in that, that window and Esther's in, in that window. King David and King Solomon are in that window and then Jesus, the resurrected Christ, is the center of the window. But it tells the story, Mary and Joseph, it tells the whole story of his life in, in one window. And then it tells the story of the early church and you see the disciples, you see the, the apostle Paul. And then it tells the story of the church throughout the years. Uh, you see St. Thomas Aquinas, you see Martin Luther, you see John Wesley, and then it tells the story of the, of the church in these years. You see Billy Graham, you see Martin Luther King Jr., you see Rosa Parks, you only see one member of that church is in that window. His name's Matthew. He's a young man born with developmental disabilities. And they started a whole ministry because of him that has now spread to many churches that blesses thousands of children. He's the only member of that church that's in that window. He passed away just, just a few years ago as an adult now, actually. But I sat there in front of that window and I thought, thank you. You can, you can leave a legacy a lot of ways, but you need to be praying to God about how am I called to have a legacy. If you're in the middle class, God's calling upon your life is to provide. To provide for your family, to provide for your community, your church, all the things that make your community go and make, make your family go. I, I saw this firsthand in, in probably one of the most beautiful ways uh, in the life of my in-laws. Uh, they were a middle-class family, teacher and a truck driver. And they lived in this little home, not in a nice neighborhood, but on a road uh, that over the years went from a residential road to a highly traveled road. And this little old home uh, on, on a road where the cars went so fast, most people didn't, didn't want to live on it. Uh, but th they could have upgraded. Uh, they could have made their life easier like a lot of the, the people uh, they knew did. But they had this other mission. They had three daughters. And they said, we, we want to get them through undergrad. We, we, we just want to do that. And they did it. I can't imagine the sacrifices they made. My wife and I found out uh, shortly after we were married that one of the things we, we didn't know about uh, was that to do that, they had taken out a parent loan for her. And we were at the stage in life, we were two income, no kids at that point. And we walked in their house and we said, hey, let us take over payment on that loan. We need to do that. And they looked at me and they said, you are always welcome in this house, but you are never welcome to ask that question again. Don't you dare. No, no, and no. Well, that was their values. And now uh, they hustled and they prayed and they tried to do what was right. And now they've got a house that's big enough for the grandkids to come visit and they took care of, of their family. Uh, we're, we're, call, we're called to do, you're called to provide in, in, in the middle class. And if you're in the lower class, here's God's mission for you. Break the cycle, break the curse. Poverty is a curse in the Bible, it is not a blessing. There are types of poverty that are called blessed, but those types of poverty in the Bible, that is voluntary poverty, uh, where you are living very far below your means in order to provide for others. Uh, Jesus seeks to work against, against poverty. Uh, and it doesn't mean that you're in that situation because you or your family's any worse than anybody else. It just means circumstances have conspired. 
and now you have the chance to break the curse. But in that setting, it feels hopeless as we've talked about. And here's what I want you to know if you're in that setting. One, practically, from a... Uh, from a, looking at it from a percentage of uh, success, it is practically easier to move from lower class to middle class than from middle class to upper class. But it's emotionally harder. It's emotionally harder to do. If you're in that, you need people in your corner. You need to form relationships with people who've made that move, who can help you make that move. Because if you break the cycle for you, you probably also break it for your children and grandchildren. And for all of us, part of being faithful in this mission involves generosity. Even, even if we're in the lower class, it, it involves generosity. The previous church I served we had, we had an incredible church. We had a big service on Sunday. We had a big service on Thursday. Thursday night service was a recovery service. And we began to have a lot more children coming to the church. Well, the, as the children came to the church, they, uh, we needed more space. And so we started a capital campaign to build more space, to acquire more space for children. And it, it was modest compared uh, to what this church is doing. But for that community that was in the lowest 2% of the median income in, in America, it was pretty ambitious. We were trying to do a $500,000 campaign. And we had this big celebration and people in the church who had resources, they brought their gifts and we were well on our way to our goal. It was amazing. We had a big Sunday celebration. Then we gathered for recovery worship on Thursday night. And a lady came up to me and she was someone I knew. She had found sobriety through the recovery community. She was getting her life back on track. She'd given her soul to, to Jesus. She was on fire for, for the Lord. And she was also trying to keep the lights on. And... God had fully redeemed her soul. But I have to tell you something about her. Um, God had not yet redeemed her language. And she hadn't learned maybe some words we don't often say in church. Well, she came up to me and she said, uh, Pastor Will, why didn't we have a special offering for the new building at the recovery service? And I said, well, we, we did that on, on Sunday mornings. And then she said, Pastor Will, do you think blank, de blank, 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 blank people like us don't have anything to offer? And I was like, no, and shh, we gotta go over here. You can't say that. But her message hit home. We all have something to offer. We all, ha we all have, have something to give. For all of us, whatever our situation, that means first fruits giving. Praying, God, how can I give you what's first, not left over? For all of us, if we're Christians, it means working towards tithing, working towards giving 10% of our resources to God through, through the church. We're not all there. We might not all be able to get there quickly. And I want to let you know, if you've heard these missions that we talk about at the different stages of the resources we have and say, how can, I, how can I be a part of this? We have a class meets on Wednesdays called Saving Grace. And it looks at biblical teaching. It was written by people who understood biblical teaching and who understand how money works in the 21st century. And it's, it's a wonderful class that's been helping a lot of families in our church uh, to help you get into the, the details of this by folks who understand a lot more about those details than, than I do. But when you leave here today, there's one thing I want to make sure you know. Uh, the goal of the Christian life is not to master money. It's not. It's to meet the master. 
And we only talk about money because how we, we understand and how we use our resources affects our relationship with Christ. That's why. I understand the critique of church that, oh, church just wants your money. And I understand that there have been churches out there who have been very irresponsible with, with their resources. And today, if you're wondering about, is God real? If you're wondering about, can I be a part of this institutional church thing? Do, do they just want me to make an offering? Don't make an offering today if you're thinking those questions. Don't, because I want you to know, uh, we, we, don't ju- we, we don't just want your wallet. We don't just want your bank account. We want your soul. And what we want you to do with your time with your talent, with your resources, with everything you have and everything you are, is give that to Jesus so you can live in relationship with the master. That's, that's what we want. And Jesus wants you to provide for your family. And Jesus wants you to have some good things in life. And Jesus wants you to help others with, with all, the, all those things because it's about meeting him. Because once you've met him, then you realize that for any of us, the greatest legacy we could leave is to love others the way he's loved us. That's what we wanna do. That's why we do everything that we do because of how he's loved us. That's why we pray. Let's now pray together. Gracious God, we come and we want to meet you. We thank you that you understood the great mysteries of creation and that you understand the struggles of our daily lives when we're worn out by responsibilities, when we're too tired to keep hustling, uh, when hope seems so far away, Lord, speak into us. Speak into our souls. God, we've, we've all gotten ourselves into trouble. We all need to do better. And you've given your life for us all. And you've come here this morning through your Holy Spirit to encounter us all. Help us to put you first. Speak into each of us. Whatever we need to do with our time, with our talent, with our resources, with our perspective, with our thoughts, with our words, with our deeds, guide us down that path because we want to know you. We want to know you more fully. We want to know the depth of your love and we want to learn to love like that. In your name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Concord United Methodist Church. This podcast is a ministry of Concord United, and we would love to hear from you. To contact us, please send an email to podcasts at concordunited.org with sermons in the subject line. For more information about Concord United, including worship times, service opportunities, mission efforts, and classes, please visit our website at concordunited.org. We also invite you to download and enjoy our daily devotional podcasts presented by the pastors and members of Concord United. Finally, we would appreciate it if you would leave a rating and a review of this podcast so that others can discover it and benefit from it.